Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. The Dorky Diva Show presents... Why is this seat so much more comfortable? The long-awaited sequel to the adventures of the Zolandart audio drama. Have you seen the captain's datapad? Trying to work, Murph. Piloting the Zolandart by himself. You do understand the details of this particular job, correct? I've been on plenty of jobs like this. With you! Reldar Sias returns to a planet he thought he'd left behind for good. Is there a reason you didn't mention I was tagging along? Hopefully having you there will make others think twice about messing with me. Making new friends. Oh, you must be the pilot of the Zolan Dart, yes? I guess I am. And reconnecting with old ones. Reldar? Vera? What are you doing here? Until past grudges resurface. I'd be minding my own business if I were you. Well, if your business wasn't being handled right in front of my face, maybe I could mind my own business. We have to leave. Now. Why the rush all of a sudden? We're in trouble. If it isn't little Reldarsoyth. Hey, Yorick. <laughs> Long time no see. Rose already knows you're here. Oh. Look who decided to come home. Reldar must confront his origin. I must admit, I never saw this as being a part of your past, Softshell. Or let it define his future. I will get what is owed to me, no matter the cost. Because what Roz is trying to do is wrong. Says you. My blasters. We're going to need these. Take that, Slavo. <laughs> Who do you think you are? The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, Episode 2, coming soon. The Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. I am the Geordie Jedi Pete. I'm Kat Rizielka. And I'm the Canon Junkie XL Ian. And we are back with a brand new episode of Star Wars. We're going to talk exciting things. We're going to talk Ahsoka. We're going to talk, um, obviously, the Haslab back the ghost. We're going to talk maybe a little, not a little, I should say a big, a big Lego thing that could be coming. Um, but primarily, probably, primarily, probably Ahsoka. This being sort of the last, the last stop before we've all seen the first two episodes. Um, I just want a big shout out to Hondo. Hondo, we love you, buddy. We know you're uh, under the weather right now. You've got some uh, wild Karelian flu, and we'll hope you feel better soon. Um, but let's just dive straight into Ahsoka, guys. Um, obviously, some big, big news this week. Um, sort of the brought the the viewing times forward. So it's always sort of aired at sort of midnight on one coast in America. 3am on the other coast um, which makes it probably around about 7 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning here in the UK depending on um, what the daylight saving time is 
It's now moving to a more traditional primetime American slot. So I think it'll air at 6pm on one coast, 9pm on the other, which will probably put it around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning here in the UK. Um, so it sort of makes sense, I suppose, if they want to make Ahsoka, you know, the biggest streaming debut in Disney Plus history, because it'll be the first show to have a uh, really relevant airtime. So I wouldn't have to try to sort of, you know, change the deck, shuffle the card, so to speak, to give themselves the best advantage. And I wouldn't have to do this to sort of try and say, look, the writers are on strike, the actors are on strike, the press can't really cover things properly, but look, we're doing our thing, and it's actually the most successful show we've debuted on Disney+. Plus. Um, but we'll go to you, Kat, first. Of what's your thoughts on on the change in in streaming times for us over? Well, if you're in the USA, congratulations! You can watch Ahsoka at a really reasonable time. If you're in the UK, I hope you have some coffee. Uh, I think it does make sense to bring it towards a prime time spot, certainly for the American um, market, and it allows the streaming services to kind of compete with other American um, streamers and shows. So, you know, out in America, it's very common. You hear about the HBO, HBO series, and they also air at 9pm ET, 6pm PT. So I think it does make sense. And I think more people are inclined to sit down and watch a program at the end of the day. Uh, in the evening, work is done, food is cooked, you're probably sorted, unless you're a night shift. Um, but I think it does make sense to end the day with a show that you've been looking forward to. And I think Ahsoka is going to be that for so many people, whether that's Star Wars fans, Clone Wars fans, Rebels fans. Loads of people have watched Ahsoka's journey and Lots of fans are going to be really excited to see this continuation of her journey. So it does make sense for the American market. It's a little frustrating for UK viewers because obviously that means it's about 1am in Britain. And it's going to be a little bit difficult for us to avoid spoilers because out in America, people are going to be tweeting, posting on Instagram, almost straight away, I imagine, whereas not everyone in the UK is going to have the chance to watch it the following morning after 1am, and the UK market is going to probably have to wait until our evening. So it's going to be a little bit tricky dodging no spoilers, so definitely either mute your Ahsoka Fred on Twitter, or even better, just stay off social media all day, and I think it will work out. Yeah, definitely. I think if it's in the on the head, um, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense if they want to really push Ahsoka to be sort of the the biggest Disney Plus streaming debut of all time, which I think is what they want to do. Um, you know, the sort of fiddle the figures. Yeah, it's got it's got an advantage that no other Disney Plus shows had, and it's getting that traditional prime time release in this in America. I think for me living in the UK, you know, I think it it, it does mean that you know, when we watching it at seven or eight o'clock in the morning. You know, the chances were you could try and probably get it in before work, depending on what your working hours were. And there was no chance of sort of getting hit by spoilers by accident on social media. But I think now, obviously, America has more tweeters, you know, more influencers. 
more journalists it has more people on social media you know more podcasts more youtubers just because it's a bigger place and that's where it, that's where the hollywood industry is you know so i think if we're not watching it at one o'clock two a.m when it airs like i think definitely don't pick your phone up until you watch it because otherwise you you're gonna risk scrolling and seeing something by accident um let's go for you Ian. what was your thoughts on the when you read about the changes and are you surprised i suppose is the question uh, no, not really surprised. I think I'm with Kat when he says it makes sense for obviously to put it in a uh, more traditional slot in the US. It is their biggest market. Obviously, Disney's an American company. So it does it does make sense. It's not that much of a big deal for me. I obviously work afternoons, so it's not I can watch it as soon as I wake up. I can just stay off uh, social media. So it's not it's not that big of an issue for me. And to be fair, we've had, I've had it I've had it good with all the Disney Plus shows so far. So it's not I haven't really been put out much by it changing and then it might be beneficial as well because if it's in a better slot in America it might do better viewing figures and then uh, attract more people who might not give it a chance if it was on at midnight or three in the morning if you know what I mean yeah definitely so what's your plan of action for watching Ahsoka mine mine will be obviously go to bed as a normal time and then uh, wake up and then just go downstairs and put it on pretty much uh, stay off Twitter or X, whatever it's called now, and uh, yeah, just watch it. Just watch it like that. I'll be watching it on the mornings it come out. It comes out. Yeah, I think um, I've got so obviously so airs, you know, still airs on Wednesdays in the UK, but obviously just an earlier time slot. Um, so I'm in two minds for the first couple of episodes about how to get up and watch them at the original airtime, like one a.m., two a.m. But then after that, I'm due some surgery um, at the beginning of September, which will mean that I'm, I'll be needing some time off work to recuperate uh, by order of the doctor. Um, so it does mean I'll be in a position where work won't influence my uh, Ahsoka watching, probably for probably from the middle to the end. I think it's is it nine is it nine episodes of Ahsoka? Is that right? I believe it's eight. I think. Eight. So so yeah. So that should see me from the. From the middle to the end of a saga, sort of not being worried about being up and awake and ready for work type of thing, and um, which is quite positive. Um, obviously, there's also been some fan events. Um, so in the in the lack of media being able to cover a saga as much as they would like, uh, with the writer strikes and actor strikes going on, um, there've been some fan events. Obviously, the Star Wars Twitter account saying celebrating with Ahsoka around the world with all the locations being in the US of A. Um, fantastic. Um, although there is some some fan events coming at the beginning of next week um, in Europe and in London, which is which is a good thing, I suppose. Um, I suppose a question for you, Ian. I've got you, you first. Obviously, there's been quite a lot of uh, TV spots drop recently and also a couple of little featurettes, which are really cool, um, which I assume all filmed and produced before the strike. That's how Rosario Dawson's allowed to appear in them and things like that. Um, how have you found the marketing over the past few weeks as we gear up to the to the premiere? Really good, yeah. I feel I feel like they're actually they're really marketing this show and giving it a real chance to do well. Like uh, I've seen the my favorite one so far has been the TV spot where it was about Master Apprentice, and obviously that's to do with Hayden and uh, Hayden Christian. Obviously, Anakin Skywalker. It sounded like new dialogue he was speaking, and that that's really cool uh, I, I think it's really I saw the big uh, display in Times Square I, like I was in New York in uh, 
the end of May and I was stood where it was and that's a massive screen and that, to have that in the middle of Times Square was really cool. And yeah, just just hugely excited about them, them really pushing the boat out on this one. It, this looks like it's going to be the start of the journey towards Dave's movie and it needs to get off to a good start. It's obviously peak interest so then everyone want to go to the cinema to see how this Mandoverse type uh, error is going to play out on the big screen. Definitely. Kat, how you find the marketing push in the last two weeks? Um, is your appetite that it's full, it's fullest, ready for a soga? I think the marketing has been pretty strong. Obviously, I support the actors and writers' strikes that are going on and understand why we haven't had interviews with the writers and cast. I completely understand that. And I think they've been very clever in the way that they've cut and created each TV spot and trailer, which I suspect are probably only imagery from maybe maximum the first three episodes. Uh, it's definitely giving this sense of mystery. Even though we've seen quite a bit, I think there's going to be a lot of misdirection. We know from The Mandalorian, all of the seasons, that Dave Filoni and John Favreau are excellent in misdirecting us with these trailers. So I think there's going to be plenty of surprises that we aren't expecting. There's characters who haven't appeared in the trailers yet, who I think will be in the show. And I think although they're teasing Fawn as this big presence, I don't think he's actually going to be in the show that much. So I think they've been very clever with the trailers and yeah it's definitely i'm i'm fully thrilled and excited for it yeah i think that the, tr- the little tv spots have been fantastic i think you know i think for me little things like you know when they showed us anakin's i think one of them just had um Balin mentioning anakin which was like not to give you goosebumps and the next one after that was like it actually showed you hayden christensen as anakin skywalker but it was the attack of the clones anakin so i'm assuming it was the, i think it was the same clip from kenobi if that makes sense but, but then we had the new dialogue, which is like Clone Wars era Anakin, so sort of the Matt Atlanta Anakin. But obviously, it was quite clear in Christensen's voice, giving instruction to Ahsoka, almost like that could be a flashback scene uh, with Ahsoka. So whether we see actually see Hayden in the actual flashback visually, or whether it's just a sort of a, a flashback just in Ahsoka's head, and we just hear the voices, I don't know. But wasn't going to forgive me goosebumps and uh, like almost shake the wife's leg as she was sitting next to us. I watched it, and she was a bit like. I don't know what you're going on about. And I'm like, no, man, it's Hayden Christensen's voice, man. Get excited, get excited. But I suppose not all not all people get as excited as we do about things like that. Um, and then obviously, yes, we had that, that brilliant documentary. It was sort of the Master and Apprentice documentary, which, you know, quite a bit of Dave Filoni in there. And, and you know, stuff that we've, we've heard him say before type of thing. Obviously, I imagine the chance of getting new stuff from Dave has obviously been quite limited with the strike. Um, but we're still enough to sort of wet the appetites and get people thinking about it. Which I think is really, really good. Um, obviously, that newest one where we've, we've seen sort of uh, Hera and Chopper, uh, obviously flying in the sky, looking at trying to steal something from someone. Um, something, something's being flew out of, looks like Corellia, and they're after it. And then obviously we see Ahsoka, uh, pretty much showing just how good she is with two lightsabers. Um, this might be the last spot we get, like larger spot. I think they've just put a shorter one on just recently, just today, I think. But um, which was like fourteen seconds long, 
But if that is our last sort of large ATV spot, uh, Ian, we'll go to you. Um, like, what, what's your, what's your thoughts on on that? Obviously, we see a sort of jewel. It's definitely an inquisitor. Whether that person is an inquisitor now or not, we don't know. I suppose. Um, but yeah, sort of. What's your thoughts on everything we've seen going into the series, and like, which party most etc. I'd say. Yeah, the uh, the little clip they they uh, showed on YouTube the other day obviously was I can't remember if it was the fan is it the Phantom Two from Rebels because there was obviously the original Phantom and there was the the old Separatist shuttle which I believe that is obviously chasing something that's being stolen. Uh, that was really cool. I thought um, Hera looked great. Uh, I thought she looked really cool. Obviously, Chopper just translates straight over to live action with Dave's warbled uh, grunting whatever he's doing for that type of voice. That's really cool. Uh, it's good to see some lightsaber combat. We obviously saw uh, Ahsoka fighting, and this has been revealed in promotional material, that is an Inquisitor. Uh, it used to be an Inquisitor, obviously, before the fall of the Empire. Uh, so, obviously, fighting an Inquisitor along with the uh, HK, they're not 47s anymore, they're 87s, I think, uh, assassin droids that uh, we saw in the Mandalorian uh, chapter of Ahsoka were the Jedi. So, that was cool. They were obviously... Under the control of uh, Morgan Elsbeth. Uh yeah, no, really, really excited by that clip. The TV spots have done a great job. Obviously, bigging up the show, uh, seeing Thrawn. Obviously, saying a new threat will rise. That's one of my favorite things because if he is to be the big bad of the Dave Filoni movie, I think it's a perfect villain. It's something different we've never seen. It's not a Force user. It's not Palpatine. It's not Vader. It's not even like Dooku or anything. It's a true military tactical genius. Genius, and like Kat said, I don't think Thrawn will be in it that much either. But I do think we will get a moment where we see him at full tilt. He'll destroy a New Republic ship or something like that, and we will see. Obviously, this this guy. We all, everyone who's read Air to the Empire and that knows how effective he is, and to see him on screen is a huge moment. Yeah, do we think that sequence with them? Um... The Phantom 2 chasing after something to try and see it. To me, it had a very Rebels feel. Like, if I remember the first few seasons of Rebels, it's like it's the ghost crew sort of stealing things to either sell for money or give to the Rebellion type of thing. Um, so maybe they're hunting that down to get it. And I, I don't know if that's set like in the Rebels timeline, in the Imperial timeline, or if it's set sort of post Return of the Jedi. I suppose only time will tell just how much time jump we're going to do in a show. Um, Kat, what's your thoughts on? A, sort of some of the awesome clips we've seen, but but also sort of the different eras we might see Ahsoka and the Ghost Crew in here. I think some of the clips have felt very Rebels. Um, Hera telling Chopper to keep his lid on, that was just so Rebels. The sort of that classic one-liner that adds a little bit of light jokiness to even a serious action sequence, I think is very much in the heart of what Rebels gave fans. And Hera has translated so well into live action. Ahsoka's dueling skills. In the animation, it's very fast, very fluid, which is much more difficult to translate into live action because we're humans, actors, even amazing stunt coordinators, there's only so much you can do as a human, but I think Ahsoka's dual wielding skills have translated so well. And Rosario Dawson 
and her stunt team must have been doing so much training to make it look that good. Uh, so I think it the clips have definitely been fueling both that Rebels fandom, but also the Clone Wars fandom, where you've got, you know, Hu Yang, Hayden Christensen, repeating a Matt Lanter line word for word. It's just been amazing. As for the time jumping, I feel that we are going to get some kind of time jump, if not more than one, because in one of the clips, and I paused it to take a look, Ahsoka is wearing a Galactic Republic uniform. It's a blue uniform, and she's got a pauldron on one shoulder, which is the Galactic, the old Galactic Republic symbol, which is the cog. And the new Republic symbol is the Firebird after the rebellion. So that makes me think we may see something sort of during the Clone Wars era. I also wonder if Dave Filoni might address the sort of gap in Ahsoka's journey. We've seen Ahsoka basically grow up on screen from Youngling and Padawan through the Clone Wars to a fulcrum agent in Rebels. But then between Rebels and the Mandalorian timeline, there is a gap. It's like, you know, what was Ahsoka doing as Fulcrum during the original trilogy? We don't really know. And I hope that this season might address that. Just sort of tell us, well, what was Ahsoka doing doing during the original trilogy? Obviously, Ahsoka didn't exist when the original trilogy was filmed, and that's why the gap exists. But it's sort of how can Dave fill that gap naturally? What was Ahsoka doing that makes sense for why we didn't see her on the front lines? And I think he will. So I think we're going to see at least three timelines of Clone Wars era, possibly then Galactic Civil War era, and then right up to the current timeline of The Mandalorian. So if that's going to be flashbacks or if the season is going to start in the past, I don't know. But it's one of the exciting mysteries that Ahsoka is already inspiring. No, it certainly is. Um, I think something exciting for me was in that in that last the proper full trailer we got and sort of Balin and his apprentice are storming that New Republic ship and they're just destroying everyone. You know, you see a New Republic Ewing on board the ship, for example. When he declares we are no Jedi, for example, um, you know, I think I think we are going to see different. That's a sort of New Republic thing, probably in the moment, moment. But then, like I said, I think we're going to see interactions with these characters between Ahsoka, Hera, and Sabine, like you know, across their entire friendship with each other. I suppose which will be very exciting. Um, I want to talk about obviously Master and Apprentice. Obviously, you know, there's been a couple of TV spots about it, a couple of featurettes about it. Um, you know, they've teased Sabine being a sort as apprentice, uh, and a sort of being Sabine's master in some way or another. Um, we'll go to you first, Kat. Sort of what were your thoughts when you first heard it, and then sort of in what context do you think it actually meant? I think if anybody understands that you don't need to be a Jedi to be a, a hero, basically, it's Ahsoka. And, you know, Ahsoka left the Jedi Order, but still carried on being a Force user, being a hero for the Rebellion. So 
when I saw that in the trailer, although it's sort of the cinematography suggests that Sabine is kind of learning the ways of the Force, I don't think she is. We know from Rebels that Sabine is a very skilled warrior. She's a Mandalorian. She was incredibly good with the Darksaber once she mastered it. And between the Darksaber and her own armour with its gadgets and weaponry, she was a formidable foe. So even though the trailer suggests it might be more, I think it's Ahsoka is giving Sabine the tools and training necessary to find Ezra. And I really hope that they're not suggesting that Sabine is a Force user, because I feel that that just wouldn't work. Sabine is a very strong character. She has her Mandalorian heritage, and that strength doesn't need to be validated by her being a Force user. She can use a Darksaber. Non-Force users can use lightsabers effectively. Not as effectively as a Jedi, but still effectively. And I feel that I would be happy with Sabine learning to use Ezra's lightsaber as part of her journey to find him, but I certainly wouldn't want her to be a Force user because it just doesn't make sense if you consider all the time she spent around Kanan, Ezra and Ahsoka during Rebels, it wouldn't make sense for her to suddenly just be Force-sensitive in any way. But that could be just a deception of the trailer making us think this. Or there's some very clever storylining that Dave Filoni has done. But time will tell, because like I said, these trailers are deceptive. You can't trust what you see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've just rewatched the season first season of Rebels. So sort of seeing how you know Ezra first bumps into the ghost crew and you know how the you know the, the tell the story of how Ezra figures out he's force sensitive and how he connects to Kanan and how he finds Kanan's lightsaber and how he finds the Kanan's um holocron. You know, it's all beautifully told and well done. But I feel like if they were to go Sabine's now a Jedi, it's a bit like, well, how did nobody know about her back then when like you know she was very close to Kanan and just spent a very long time with Kanan and, and you know it would sort of defeat the point of all that lovely storytelling rebels, I think. Um I honestly think it's just a case of, you know, you hit the nail on the head. She has a lightsaber because she has Ezra's, you know, so Ahsoka's trainer in that. And Ahsoka's also give her other training as in to say, like, this is how you survive. And this is how, you know, if you were to go hunting for Ezra to save him, you know, this will all help you. Um, Ian, go over to you. What, what's your thoughts on the Master Apprentice storyline? And also, what's your thoughts on the fact it sounds like Ahsoka walked away from Sabine? Yeah, that's a really interesting line. Like I said, we've seen a couple of footage of... Uh... Uh, sort of looking like she's training Sabine, obviously, with the old wooden sticks that we see in Trials of the Darksaber before Ken obviously switches it up to uh, use a lightsaber. Um, I don't know. I remember seeing... I remember seeing not this celebration we were all at, the one before when they released like the teaser of a hand trying to move like a, a cup on a table, whether that's Sabine or... There's something going on with Sabine. Whether it's just a massive misdirect and... They're trying to think that we think she's going to be a Jedi or not. I'm not. I'm not quite sure where they're going with it. To be fair, like I said, I'm not. I'm not too bothered either way. Like if she is going to be a Jedi, then fine. 
Uh, but I don't think she needs to be. But like I said, I'm sure if they execute it right and all that, they'd be fine. Uh, yeah, no, just a bit. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what to think about Sabine being a Jedi yet. Really, I'd have to obviously see how it, see how that unfolds before I'd obviously cast judgment on it. But yeah, no, uh, Sabine. Obviously, I don't know what Ahsoka means by how she walked away from Sabine as well. Walked away from what training her or anything like that. I'm not quite sure to be fair. Yeah, it's definitely a lot on the table. Um, I suppose what's next for us, you know, just get our thoughts on the table before we watch the show, I suppose. So, obviously, we'll go to you, Kat. So, Balin and his apprentice, obviously, Dark Side Force users, and we've seen them use the Force. And they have sort of orange lightsabers, which is weird. Um, Balin, obviously, I think was a Jedi Knight because he talks about Anakin Skywalker and the, and the Jedi Order. Um, and he's possibly been an Inquisitor in the past. Um, what do you think the story is with, with, with those two? I love how everybody in the Jedi Order knew about Anakin. It's like Anakin really was the chosen one. I think anybody would have caved to the dark side in that kind of pressure. Just imagine all the younglings every time you went to a room going, oh, it's Anakin Skywalker, sign this for me. Oh, my gosh. Um, He'd be bigger than J.L.S. Swift, wouldn't he? I know, it's like constant fame. <laughs> and I think they talk about like the egos of the Padawans. I'm like, I think Anakin was a bit, Justified to it, considering everybody's going around calling him the chosen one. That's a Jedi for you. Anyway, I think it's interesting because there always are these dark side force users popping up around the place, and it's like, how do they? How did they stay under the radar of like Vader and Palpatine if they weren't Inquisitors? It's interesting. And again, it's one of these things that, you know, Dave has to address in the storytelling because it has to make sense of, well, if there were more Dark Side Force users, why weren't these guys helping Vader? Why weren't these guys like on the second Death Star protecting it? It has to make sense. So it could be that they were Force users who have gone to the Dark Side after the fall of the empire i don't know you know were they just jedi in hiding and then they turned to the dark side they're very sort of enigmatic in the trailers there's not so much to go on apart from those orange lightsabers suggesting that they're not fully dark side users they sort of toe the line between light side and dark side not committing to either they're obviously going to be a foe for Ahsoka and Sabine and it seems that they're like they're at least working for Morgan Elspeth which might mean that they're working for Fawn in what capacity it in what capacity it's hard to see are they like bounty hunters after other force users there's Again, these trailers are infuriating in the sense that they leave you with so many questions, but it's difficult to try and understand what they actually mean. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Ian, what's your thoughts on the obviously the dark side forces as we've seen, obviously Bale and his apprentice, but also this Inquisitor who this is taking place after the fall of the Empire. He's probably no longer an Inquisitor, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was uh, obviously revealed by the Star Wars data bank on the actual official website that that is an Inquisitor called Maroc, who was an Inquisitor, turned soldier of fortune after the fall of the Empire, uh, who apparently is work, working for Morgan Elsbeth. That's obviously on the official Star Wars data bank. Uh, so he he or she, depending who what the gender is, is... An Inquisitor used to be an Inquisitor. There is obviously a lot of people saying that it could be the eighth brother from Star Wars Rebels just because their look is very similar. I'm quite interested to see what, what an Inquisitor does in the galaxy after their masters are gone because I obviously I was under the impression, I think a lot of people were, by the time of the original trilogy, I assumed all the Inquisitors were gone. But that's obviously not the case if this one was an Inquisitor. Uh, so yeah, really intrigued by uh, by Maroc and what that role is going to be. Bailin and Shin, I don't know why, but I've always Shin, uh, who was obviously played by I can't remember the actress's name, looks a lot what I thought Darth Zana would look like in live action. She's got a very like Darth Zana look to me. Uh, so yeah, really, yeah, and I think if you look on one of the trailers, she does have a uh, a Padawan braid, which is interesting. And yeah, you do wonder what the role of these two are going to be. Are they going to be evil all the way or are they going to turn back to light? Because Balin was clearly a Jedi. He obviously says about Anakin Skywalker. Uh, everyone in the Order knew who Anakin Skywalker was. And then he obviously says in the trailer and few would live to see what he became. So it obviously means he obviously survived Order 66. What he ever chose to do, was he Inquisitor? Was he? Did he go into hiding like Kat said? It's very interesting where these characters have been. Uh, so yeah, really excited by that, and obviously going back into the chosen one thing with Anakin, how many people knew him? I'm just in the process of reading uh, Rise of the Red Blades, and it is like that. When Anakin Skywalker comes in a room, there's a bit where everyone's like, "Oh my god, that's that's Anakin Skywalker." So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think, yeah, I think yeah, I think Dave's hitting that as well. A couple of interviews he's done, and the views from the thing where you know he is the greatest Jedi of all time, Anakin Skywalker. Um, and he's very much known as that, and especially his exploits during the Clone Wars. I think further, further pushed that to the forefront. Um, I noticed that on Shin as well. Uh, Balin's teammate slash apprentice. So I wonder if Balin's using maybe the only thing he knows, which is the way of the Jedi. That maybe he's found a force sense of young girl and took her in. When you're going to be my apprentice, you know we're not Jedi, but like I'm going to raise you in that way. Um, which could be could be very interesting, I suppose. I did like a clip where she's lightsaber fighting Shin's lightsaber fighting um, Sabine, and she makes point of saying you have no power, which to me hints back the fact that maybe Sabine can wield the lightsaber but can't control the Force. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, let's just go over to you, Kat. Just any any closing thoughts on everything we've seen so far for Ahsoka, and then obviously what you're hoping for from the series. I think I have a bunch of questions from these trailers and I have very little answers. Um, I think my overall arching thought is that although Fawn is being teased as the big bad of the Ahsoka series, 
I have this suspicion that Dave Filoni is going to use him very sparingly because the whole threat of a villain is that looming presence in the background. It's not somebody who's necessarily fighting on the front lines. It's not somebody you see every episode. It's that looming threat who you never know quite where they are, quite what they're doing, quite what they're thinking. And I wouldn't be surprised if the series actually ended with that clip we've seen of Fawn and that it sets up other series or a future series of Ahsoka where Fawn is the main villain because there seems to be a lot to do with Balan and Mark in these trailers which could be not necessarily perhaps the antagonists but like the anti-heroes that Ahsoka and Sabine are facing. So I think although we're all excited for Fawn, something tells me he's going to be very sparingly used in the series. As for what I'm most excited for, I really hope we get Jason Sindula in live action. We've seen Hera, we've seen Chopper. His minifigure is in the new upcoming Lego Ghost set. And I really want to see Jason. It's it's funny you say that because in one of the trailers when Hera is sat in the cockpit of the ghost, there is someone sat in the chair beside her that looks a lot like what that Lego minifigure looked like for Jason Sindula. Yeah, it could be him. It's such a brief moment, but I'm hoping he's going to turn up. It makes sense. It does. And I think if he's in the Lego set, then... I imagine that's a good indicator. Um, well, it's not always a good indicator because we've had a few Lego sets from Star Wars and then they retcon things during development. Like Season. Constable Zubio and the Force Awakens. Yes. Or remember the first Lego Kylo Ren shuttle? The wings were completely wrong and it was grey, not black. There is, Pete, yep. there, is, there is some interesting stuff about some of these characters on the Star Wars data bank, if you want me to get into that, because it does it does reveal quite a few things, to be fair. On the data bank, obviously, starwars.com, no spoilers or anything. Yeah, go for it. Let's, 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 take a, let's roll the dice on that one. Under Maroc, obviously, it says Inquisitor. It says, once an Inquisitor hunting Jedi for the Empire, the mysterious Maroc now works as a mercenary hired by Morgan Elsbeth to carry out dark deeds. Fully encased in battle, battered battle armour, the warrior's... The warrior still carries a red double-bladed saber with a circular hilt. Very nice. So that's what it says. Definitely about. a mercenary. And then there's Balin Skull, which is obviously Balin Skull is a lightsaber wielding mercenary for hire, overseeing his apprentice Shin Hattie. But when, but make no mistake, although there was a time when Skull knew the acclaimed Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker, Balin is no Jedi. Now, now allied to Morgan Elsbeth, the former magistrate of Caladan. After the fall of the Jedi and the Empire, Skull remains a shrewd fighter and is in search of power who believes that another war is inevitable. So are they trying to bring the Sith back? No. And then the last one for Shin Hattie is the eager apprentice of Berlin Skull. Shin Hattie is adept at lightsaber combat and the skill she uses in their work as mercenaries allied to Morgan Elsbeth, the former magistrate of Caladan. So I think what you were saying, Kat, about, you know, Thrawn's going to be looming over everything, but maybe we don't have to say much. But I think we've got, um, as you come, come Maroc, we've got Maroc, we've got Baylor. Maroc, yeah. So same, got Maroc. same name as, uh, I think he's Dog from the Clone Wars. 
Right. Embo's. Embo's dog. Same name. There we yeah. go. So we've got Maroc, we've got Shin, we've got Balin. Yeah. We've got Morgan Elsbeth herself. Yep. Um, so there's like four villainous characters who are going to be causing trouble for our heroes. So, you know, Throne, probably you're right, isn't going to be at the forefront. And rightly so, I suppose. Um, do you think that they're also looking for Throne since the events of the Rebels finale? I I believe so. Yeah, there's there's a uh, line in the second trailer where Shin says, "What do we get when we find Thrawn?" And Balin obviously says, "Power, power, unimaginable." So I think they think he's the key to obviously bringing back whatever they want. Okay, very interesting. Do you think we're going to see some space wheels, Cat? I will riot if we don't have Pergil. There's gotta be Pergil in the series. The Mandalorian already teased some. We need Pergil. They are the heroes of Star Wars Rebels. That was not a filler episode where Ezra talks to Pergil. No, certainly wasn't, was it? We all come back full circle. Um, I think before we wrap up talking about Soak, I just, um, just what's some of your favourite Soka moments from Rebels and Clone Wars? Obviously, before we go into sort of, we're going to be getting new moments with Ahsoka and the new series. But what's some of your favourite sort of moments from Rebels and Clone Wars? And we'll start with you, Ian. A uh, couple of my favourite ones from Clone Wars. Uh, I do like the bit, in, I do like obviously when we first meet her in the Clone Wars movie where her and Anakin sit down after they get off to a pretty disastrous start as uh, Master Apprentice and he says, you reckless little one, you wouldn't have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, but you'll make it as mine. That was a really cool moment. Uh, Clone Wars as well. I really like the episodes where she's with Teresa Nube trying to hunt down the person who stole her lightsaber. And, uh, it was a point that was raised. Uh, I can't remember what YouTube video it was, but she got taught by a lot of Jedi in the prequel era. She got, obviously, Anakin Skywalker was her master. But we obviously see, saw her go off on adventures uh, with Plo Koon, with uh, Teresa Nube, obviously with Obi-Wan. So she's pretty well-rounded when it comes to being a Jedi. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that. Uh, Rebels, I love the reveal of her uh, in Fire Across the Galaxy where as soon as you hear that voice before we see her, we're like, oh, it's Ahsoka. And I also like the moment where... Uh, I'm trying to think, I can't remember. Uh, where she obviously first figures out that Anakin is Vader, obviously in the temple where the ghost or whatever this false thing is speaking to her, obviously... Says obviously, do you know what I've become and all that? Yeah, pretty pretty powerful stuff. Cat, what's some of your favorite soccer moments from what we already had? I suppose from Rebels and Clone Wars. One of my favorites from the Clone Wars is I don't know if anybody remembers this episode, but it's where she teams up with Corky Kreese to try and find the location of Count Dooku, and they have to go to the Mandalorian camp with uh, Death Watch. And she has to pretend to be Corky's uh, betrothed. And she makes it hell for him every single step of the way. Love that episode. Yeah, I remember that one. That was, that was a really funny one. That, I also agree with Terry. you. Should you? I think it's Lux Bonterry, isn't it? Is it Corky? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was Lux Bonterry, wasn't it? Was Lux Bonterry, wasn't it? Yeah, I was just thinking then. 
Yeah, they looked so similar in the animation. Yeah, 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 you're right. It was Lux. It was Lux Monteri because he was was trying. He was trying to gain revenge for what happened to his mother and the separatists. You're right. This is what happens when you watch so many episodes of the Clone Wars, and they all sort of kind of meld together after a while. But I also love the one, yeah, where she's taught by Terra Sinube. She's taught patience in Lightsaber Lost, which is something Anakin never could have taught her. And I think it's something she carries through the Clone Wars, because if you think of the finale, where she has to escape the Venator with Rex, she plays the long game there on how to get off the ship. So I think you can see the lessons she learned from all of Jedi Masters and Knights throughout the Clone Wars in that finale, which was, it's one of the most riveting series finales, I think, even now. As for Rebels, I think one of my favourite moments has to be um, the Lost Commanders, where... She reunites with Rex after goodness knows how many years. And their dynamic has sort of changed because she's like the wise one. She's got all the knowledge now. And Rex is sort of being brought back into the fold of the rebellion. And it was just so wonderful seeing those characters again after they part ways from Order 66 in Victory and Death from the Clone Wars. So I think that's got to be one of my favourite Rebels moments. But, I mean, can you talk about Rebels and Ahsoka without mentioning Twilight of the Apprentice? Yeah, it's definitely some of the best Star Wars stories I'll never, isn't it? I think for me, obviously I'm re-watching Rebels now, so I've done season one, but I'm excited for season two because I know what's coming. Obviously the, the brilliant opening of season two where you have where Ahsoka first senses Vader and passes out because she thinks it could be Anakin, but doesn't really believe it. And obviously, at the very end, um, her fears are confirmed and then she faces faces her former friend and former master um, in, a, in, a, in a brilliant way. Um, so moving on from Ahsoka talk, um, it's probably linked to Ahsoka. Obviously, Hasbro have announced the ghost the vintage collection ghost um so it's a Haslab project so it only gets made if it hits enough backers so it has been backed enough to be made to hit the eight thousand backers so it will be getting made and now it's on its stretch goals i think it's about 200 backers away from getting the ezra bridger figure um on the rebels cordon uh, that'll come with it um you know you're gonna back the ghost do you know about the ghost are you excited about it i do i do know about the ghost whether i back it or not i'm i'm not quite sure when's the deadline uh, I'm not quite sure about it. I'm sure you... There we go. Yeah. I'll have a think about it. I'm not quite sure yet. It just depends. I've got a lot of, got a lot of stuff I need to get in the next couple of months. So I'm not sure if I'll back it, but it looks it looks amazing to be fair. It certainly does. Kat, are you gonna back it? It is too huge for me. I've I've got the Lego UCS Men in Falcon on display and that takes up a good chunk of room and the ghost is just massive. You can make a coffee table out of it. No, you certainly could. You certainly could. I have backed it. I've got no idea what I'm going to do with it when I get it. Um, but I just, 
you'll know how much I wanted the Rancor and it never got made. So I backed this and it's getting made. So I'm getting my first Haslab and I'm excited about it. But other than that, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Um, speaking of big sets, there's been some rumours, whispers of a big Lego set that is coming out soon that Clone Wars fans might love. Um, Kat, do you want to take it away, talking about the little rumblings that have been uh, on the airwaves? There have been quite a few rumblings. This year is the 20th anniversary of the Clone Wars, and we've already had quite a few uh, reveals for uh, Lego Star Wars Clone Wars sets, and the rumour is that we might be getting a big Ultimate Collector Series Venator before Christmas. Uh, Venators are the Republic version of Star Destroyers. They are the massive flagships of the Republic with the very striking dark red stripes down the middle. And there is rumour that the one coming has a Clone Wars Ularan and a new Captain Rex. If rumours are to be believed and let's just say Lego leaks are usually pretty uh, accurate. Are you going to be getting one, Kat? If it's real, if it's real, you're going to get one? If it's real, yeah. If it's real, I will have to maybe think about a GoFundMe for a second house for my Lego collection. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I have the Lego UCS M5 222 Star Destroyer, Imperial Star Destroyer. And that's still in its box because I have nowhere to put it. So I would kind of feel guilty getting the Venator because, again, it's space. With LEGO collecting, that's always the issue. It's UCS sets in particular are only getting bigger. So trying to find a space to display these items can be really tricky. And it usually involves rotating a collection around, so taking something down to put something new up. It depends on how pretty it is, but Venator's and Resurgent Class Star Destroyers are my favourites, so I don't know. Maybe. Time will tell. Yeah, uh, yeah, time will tell about the uh, the Venator. It'd be really cool. I, I do like the Lego, to be fair. It's a uh... It is uh it is really cool. I've got the Anakin Skywalker pod racer, <clears throat> the twentieth anniversary one. However, it's in a box at the moment. I don't know where it is. I don't have that much room for my Star Wars stuff and that. But is there anything else you're getting at the moment, Cap? Star Wars wise, I am busy trying to collect up the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor uh, figures and Funkos. Um, so I just got the vintage collection. Cal Kestis based on um, Jedi Survivor with the little BD-1 in his new costume which looks awesome so I'm really happy about that one and I also recently got the vintage collection Purge Trooper Commander I think, it's either the commander or the captain Uh, so they are going to be going on a shelf above my uh, PS5 I'm trying to hunt down a Cal Kestis Funko, but I can't seem to find one at the moment. No. That's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. At the moment, I'm just waiting for a... I've had an an order in with Star Action figures for a vintage collection Galen Marek. It was supposed to be 
out in June, but they haven't received it yet. So I'm just I'm just waiting for that. I'm an unapologetic Star Killer fan. I love them games and I love that character. Plus it's Sam Whitmer as well. So no, I'm really uh, I'm really excited for that. It's just uh, just waiting for it to come, which is the uh, biggest biggest thing. Hasbro's distribution can be really odd because they'll tell you, oh, you'll get it by one day, four months later. Oh, we still haven't sent it out. And then like everything arrives at once and it looks like you've gone on a spending spree when in reality it was pre-orders that were months apart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the first thing I've, I first uh, figure I've ordered in a while, to be fair. I got a couple of things in celebration. I got the Luke Skywalker Air to the Empire figure and all that type of thing. But no, yeah, I'm just, I just want more Gale and Marek merchandise, to be fair. <laughs> I need more, uh, I need more Jedi Survivor merchandise because, like, with Fallen Order, Funko did a whole range of figures. And for Survivor, there's just been nothing. And Cal looks different. We have Bode, new BD1, Merin looks different. We need these figures. It is a bit weird how there like there hasn't been much Jedi Survivor talk. When did it come out? I can't remember when it came out. It came out, out in April, end of April. Yeah, so yeah, it wasn't yeah, it did, yeah, because I remember it being advertised at a obviously celebration and that. Uh yeah, no, it's strange. Obviously, waiting for the next Star Wars game now to fill that gap. It looks like it'll be Outlaws, but we'll see, depending on... Uh, I do know there's a couple of games that obviously respawn that are under development. I know there's the first-person shooter they're developing. Uh, I know they're developing like a strategy game. I don't know if you ever played the old Empire at War. Is it Empire at War? Empire at War game. No, good grief. I mean, I want to play Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. Uh but Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor are the only Star Wars games I've played. And I feel terrible about it because I collect the Black Series um, Knights of the Old Republic figures. I have both versions of Revan <laughs> and I've never played the game. Yeah, well, hopefully, I don't know what's going on with it, but there is, there is supposed to be a Knights of the Old Republic remake happening, but it seems to have gone quiet since that was announced. I tried mm. to be fair, I, try, I tried playing Knights of the Old Republic the other day again, but I just can't. The graphics, I just can't do it. Mm, I think one of the issues sometimes is when you see the graphics and the audio on these modern games, trying to jump back into the older games then can feel a bit... Jarring. Yeah, exactly, jarring. It's You're trying to think, well, how have I gone... Back in time to this. Yeah, the, the best part is back then you were like, these graphics are amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had a Nintendo in 2007 and I recently saw in a photo of a Nintendo museum the same Nintendo in the case. Yeah. And I was like, back in 2007, that was top of the range. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. My favourite game of all time is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. And uh, looking back now, you think, my God, man, the cars are all blocky and everything's like really blocky and all that. But yeah, no, it is, it is strange how you back then you were like, these are great. I had the same jarring effect, and I probably suspect many listeners have. I went back to finish off Fallen Order after playing Jedi Survivor. And what I immediately noticed was how dark the lighting was on Fallen Order. 
Like you go into the mantis and you can't see anything. Whereas in Jedi Survivor, everything is really well lit. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. It is. I'm hugely excited for uh, Star Wars Outlaws, though. I've obviously seen a couple of the screenshots and all that type of thing now of where you can go get work off Jabba the Hutt, and that's all I want, to go see Jabba <laughs> and get a job off him. <laughs> Just make sure that you do the job and get paid. Don't do like a Han Solo. Well, apparently you can betray him, and he will send bounty hunters after you. So I am tempted. I mean, if he sends Greedo after you, you know you're safe. Oh my god, yeah, I've been attacked by Greedo. Be... <laughs> I mean, that's a bit like Rick the door technician yeah. from Jedi Survivor. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rick, yeah, I forgot about Rick the door technician, yeah. The most deadly, the deadly uh, enemy in that game. So deadly. That, you know, that boss is going to take you forever. Yeah. But I hope that the like merchandising to go with Outlaws is a little bit stronger than it was for Jedi Survivor because I know that they want to keep spoilers to a minimum, yet there's nothing stopping Funko or Hasbro for doing the figures of the main characters. Yeah. We see them in the trailers. So there's not exactly any spoilers by having them as figures you can immediately have alongside the game. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, we obviously know KMS is the main character and you've got the uh, commando droid and the little uh, the little Nyx, the little creature that obviously Kay has and all that type of thing. That's a Funko Pop that'll sell. That's yeah. a plushie that will sell. I mean, yeah. like, nubs, move out of the way. Here's Nyx. Yeah, no, I agree. Are you, uh, are you reading anything Star Wars at the moment? I, what was the last Star Wars book I read? That's a very good question. I think it was Cataclysm by Lydia Kang. So that was the last one in um, phase two of the High Republic. Yeah. I have read some of the comics, finished off some of the um, Star Wars phase two of the High Republic comics. And I've now started Dark Droids. So I haven't like read any of the books. I, ha- I still need to pick up Rise of the Red Blade, but I have started uh, Dark Droids, which is the new crossover event in the Marvel Star Wars comics line. And it is really good. Yeah, I was looking at getting the first issue tonight. Uh, is it any good, Dark Droids? It's about the uh, that droid. It was in uh, Star Wars Revelations, something, the Ajax Sigma. Is that the droid? So Ajax Sigma does play a role the Spark Eternal is going to play a role. So if you've been reading um, Darth Vader or Dr. Aphra up until this point, you will know the role of the Spark Eternal. But you can come into Dark Droids without having been reading the series. So it's set after Empire Strikes Back, nearing Return of the Jedi era, and... It's showing this completely new enemy that is able to basically brainwash droids into a mass colony, a hive mind, to do whatever it wants. And it's trying to... It's a bit like the Drengear in the sense that it wants to spread its spores 
throughout the galaxy, except it's uh, trying to do that for droids. So it's very dark, um, completely new kind of foe compared to um, some of the other recent issues we've had of like Darth Vader and Dr. Aphra. And it's now crossing over with Darth Vader and with the Star Wars main title as well. Uh, at the back of the issue, there's a handy guide of how you can read them in order. So I've read Dr. Oz number one, which was fantastic. I then read Darth Vader number 37, which comes after. And that was one of the darkest Star Wars comics I've read in a while. So highly recommend if you want like this gritty read, completely different to anything we've currently had in the Star Wars canon. And it's a threat to both the Rebellion, to the Empire. It's a threat to the galaxy. Yeah. And it's really good. Oh, cool. I'll definitely have to check out. I've just finished reading, um, finally on holiday last month, finished reading the first three volumes of um, the High Republic comic, um, along with the the special standalone one they did, um, which is sort of all fits into the phase one, I think. And I think that's some of my favorites. And then the third volume ends with like the end of phase one. So I think I think the next one I think pick up now is phase two. I think technically. Um, so yeah, I was really no, grabby tissues because Ab and Scott did not hold back on some of the storylines in High Republic uh, phase two. Well, I'm very excited. And how much has phase two has been released? Can I get your hands on quite a lot of it? Uh, so phase two is completely complete. <laughs> um, so you can absolutely binge everything. Ooh, sounds fascinating. That's what I did. I binge like all three. Vo- I think I read the first one before, but I reread it. And so it was the first three volumes, like one, two, three. I think the, the third one's called Jedi's End, I think it's called. Um, and then there was also a Marvel six-parter, which I can't remember what it's called now, but maybe something to do with the Drengi, I think it was. Um, I read that as well as part of it. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. But I like how at the end it tied in with like comic dealt more with the nameless, if that makes sense. And the effects they're having on people. So I'm sort of scared to see what happens next if more nameless become about. So phase two goes back another 150 years. So we actually don't carry on with the characters that we fall in love with in phase one. It does go back. Phase two rips your heart out, leaves it in shreds, and then you come back to the current timeline of the High Republic in phase three. To deal with the aftermath of everything else that's gone on. Yes, to deal with the aftermath. So more heart ripping out, more being emotionally reduced to atoms. The writers are absolutely not holding back. I love it. I love that. Ian, have you been enjoying the High Republic much? Uh, I know you started some of it similar to me, but I don't know how far you actually got with it. I haven't really had the time at the moment. The one I am reading at the moment, though, is uh, Rise of the Red Blades by... uh... Delilah Dawson, I believe, is writing Rise of the Red Blades. I think Sounds it's Delilah right. Dawson. But, uh, yeah, no, really enjoying that. It's really cool. Obviously, it tells the story of uh, the Inquisitorius and how they rose after Order 66. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that brings an end to the episode. Um, has anybody got any closing thoughts that they want to talk about? Ahsoka, Lego, ghosts, comics, books, figures, anything that they want to, they want to chat about? 
No, I'm just excited to have Star Wars back next week. It'd be cool. Well, it's it's going to be crazy, isn't it? Having like, not just Star Wars, but like, so it's almost going to like, it's going to fill all timelines, as I've mentioned. So, you know, it's going to tie into Rebels, it's going to tie into Clone Wars, it's going to tie into Mandalorian. It might give us some hints at the sequel trilogy. It's going to tie into the original trilogy. It's going to tie into the prequels. It's, it ties into everything almost. Do you know what I mean? It's it's going to be a wild, wild ride, isn't it, Kat? It really is. And I truly hope that it brings the fandom together because it is tying together all these different timelines. So I hope that no matter where your love of Star Wars is, whether that's the prequels, the Clone Wars, the sequels, I hope everybody is able to love and enjoy Ahsoka. I think my final thought would be, I know everybody's excited for the show, but please don't spoil it straight away on social media. We all are able to watch it at different times. So please keep people a chance. Tag your spoilers. Mark them as images on sensitive images on Twitter. And if you really don't want to be spoiled, mute those hashtags. Mute the Ahsoka hashtags on whatever platform you're using. Um, because give everybody a chance to enjoy and experience Ahsoka on the big television screen first. Definitely. And with that, you know, with the, as we mentioned, the fan screenings that took place in America um, sort of earlier this week, and there was going to be some fan screenings like in Europe and the UK at the beginning of next week, or as you're listening to this sort of that week, um, there's no sort of embargo in place. So it's a fan event at the end of the day. So there is, there is spoilers out there for the first two episodes. Um, so, so be careful. Even before episodes aired, there's some spoilers out there. So, so watch out. Um, Ian, where can the people find you on social media? I'm on all the usual places at uh, The Mandalorian. Uh, that's where you can find me. And Kat, where can the lovely people find you on social media? You can find me at Kat Kylo on Twitter, where I'm always happy to talk Star Wars Lego and anything Tyler Ren. And Corgi? He was on your mind today. <laughs> I tell you why he was on my mind. It's the fact that we didn't see him in The Mandalorian. No, well, not yet. Maybe future Mandalorians. We'll find out. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jory Jedi Pete. You can find the podcast on Twitter or X, as maybe it's now called. I don't know. I don't know these things. Uh, at Balls Star. And you can find the podcast on um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Star Wars Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Guys, thank you very much for coming and chatting Star Wars. May the Force be with you all. Let's all love Ahsoka. And remember, always tell that to Kenja Club. Hello, Star Wars listeners. This is Savannah Odit. You might know me as host of the Dorky Diva Show with my co-host Brian Balance. I am also producer of The Adventures of the Zolan Dart, which is a Star Wars-inspired audio drama that we produced over the last year. If you love stories uh, about smugglers, courage, heroic characters, and maybe a few foes along the way, you should go to thedorkydivashow.com and listen to The Adventures of the Zolan Dart today. Shout! We've got your pigs. Were any of the critters harmed? What did you do now? I didn't do anything. I just freaked out for no reason. It was nice doing business with you again. Maybe next time we could deliver something less... Temperamental. <laughs> now, what you call temperamental, I call fun. Hey, is there a place nearby where I can make some repairs? 
Uh, oh yeah, three clicks south of here, you'll find a small spaceport. Uh, they, they should have what you need, as long as it's nothing too big. Dynamic class? My stars, you don't hear about many of those still being spaceworthy. It's been in my family for a while. She's pretty great. Uh, any chance you have a hovercart we can use to load up? I'll check out the holonet to see if anything new has come up in the sector. My name is Sereth Khan. I am the chief here on Kamai. My people and I have been experiencing food shortages as of late due to unforeseen natural occurrences. We are looking to hire someone. I say we take this one. The pay is great and it's the type of job we're familiar with. Welcome, welcome. You must be Captain Otoa. I've already sent word to Pak to expect you in the next cycle or so. You told him we were coming before we even accepted the job. That's rather presumptuous, isn't it? Uh, perhaps, though once I received confirmation that you were interested and on your way here, I couldn't help but hope. Fair enough. Well, we'll be back as soon as we can. Well, that's not good. Is that blaster fire I hear? Ah, so you're the one. Captain, it sounds like they want to do this the hard way. I love when they got some fight in them. Oh, uh, this is bad. This is bad. We're about to have a lot of company. I'll see you soon. <laughs>